The millennial generation, there is no coincidence that we are the generation that has a lot of autoimmune issues with them rising, a lot of mental health issues with them rising. We struggle with boundaries. We have burnout. We can't say no, like all of those things together, right? Hello, 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 hello. Okay, today we are here with Allie. We are going to talk about, this is more of a conversational piece between two professionals. Allie, introduce yourself and what am I going to talk about today? My name is Allie. My friends call me Al. My husband calls me Al, but whatever. I am about one month away from graduating as a nutritional therapist, but I have a background in mental health coaching with a strong emphasis on working through like a trauma-informed lens and functional diagnostics. So I kind of married those things together, I guess is what I would say. And I call my practice nutritional reparenting. So really using the basis of optimal health as a foundation and using it as a form of nourishment for your body and your mind and a form of reparenting. Yeah, um, I so love it. That's what I do. <laughs> I love it. So all the things that you have been through because you and I have chatted like offline, right? Yep. We've chatted and we've known each other for almost a year. We met, you know, they always say, this is so funny. They always say, like, don't, don't talk to strangers online. This is all I've been doing. <laughs> I think it's such a selling. I know. I actually have to sometimes when I'm referencing people, like if I'm having a conversation with my husband, I'm like, so my friend, and he's like, is this like a friend that's like from Instagram? Like, have you actually met this person? And then I have to remind myself like, oh, like, yeah, it's virtually, yeah. virtually, yes. Yes. But you live in Costa Rica. You're from California. Tell us yep. how you got into what you're doing. Give us a little background. Give a little backstory. Yes. I am, yes, I'm a California native, Northern California. I grew up in a very small little uh, Northern California town below South Lake Tahoe. I've been living abroad between Costa Rica and Colombia for about two years. So that's like, I would say that's part, uh, definitely a big part of my life. It adds some interesting twists and turns. And uh, I got into this, my background, so my first degree is in veterinary medicine. I love medicine, if that's not obvious by now. Um, no, I love no. the way things work. I love puzzles and the protocols. But after I think almost 17 years in vet med, I realized that it was one of the biggest components of why I was staying sick. So I am a people pleaser at heart. I am a childhood trauma survivor. I have some really big codependent tendencies and perfectionism. And I also realized that those things were feeding into my chronic illness problems. So I left towards the end of 2020, was not sure what I wanted to do at all. I started with like a mental health certification because I am very passionate about why things manifest the way that they do. And that really came from like my own journey. So in 2019, I was like a rock bottom, like a big rock bottom. Um, I was on probably eight different prescription medications for my endometriosis. I had had five surgeries, which... Over the course of like 13 years, I had had five surgeries. The last doctor that I was working with, who I really do at this point, I very much admire and respect as a allopathic medicine doctor, was like, we have to do something else. So I was admitted to the UC Davis pain clinic. And part of the agreement that you make when you get admitted to this clinic is that you have to agree to see a therapist. And not because they didn't believe that my pain was real, but just because there's a 
they were at that time contemplating like, okay, what pain medications are we going to regularly use? Is she going yeah. to be supported? Yeah. So I am not a religious person, but I definitely believe in you. If you've ever heard a podcast that I am on, I will say this over and over again. I believe that I was paired with this person through like the universe. Yeah. I, again, so I started in a very Western medicine approach to life. And when I started working with him, I was just like, I have no idea what you were talking about, bro. Like, what are you talking about? He practices something called psychoneuroimmunology. So basically, this is the relationship between our immune and our endocrine and how it all manifests together. So for someone like me, this is like, this was huge because I had never connected that my upbringing, you know, my traumas, my, the way that I developed as a person, so epigenetics and genetics was playing a factor into why I was remaining chronically sick and chronically like anxious. So I started working with him. Things got a lot worse like a lot worse. And then they got better. And I would say as of now, so what is it? End of 2023? I have not dealt with any endometriosis related issues. So that's a big thing for someone with stage four for where I was at. I would say 2021. So going on almost three full years of being, I, I classify it as in remission. I know that if I was to have a surgery, you would probably open me up and still see adhesions. But the point of it is I am not suffering from those adhesions. I am still actively in therapy and I am still working on my own chronic autoimmune issues. I have some sort of autoimmune disease that we can't quite pinpoint going on. It, it very quickly mimics lupus, which to me would also make sense from a more functional medicine perspective because lupus and endometriosis have a really tight relationship. But I am now working with the therapist that I was working with, which is amazing. Working through the like mental, emotional, I really struggled, like I said before, with perfectionism and I, and this like desire to control the situation when in reality, the more that you try to control, the less control that you actually have. And we all know that. And a functional medicine doctor who, he just practices some really cool medicine and he knows that I'm becoming a practitioner. So he takes the time to explain like, hey, we're going to do this and this is why. And also, I'm going to send you some PubMed journals and I'm going to send you some medical documents. And I want you to read through these and I want you to make your own educated decision because if this is what you want to do, then you need to be able to do this too. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. Nice. I love it. So very, very similar to me. Like we just had mm -hmm. issues at a very young age. And then we were like teenagers and we're like, dude, something's going on with me. And we started Western medicine. We we're like, all right, something's got to change, right? For those listening, can you explain a little bit pick medicine, functional medicine, and Western medicine, Eastern medicine? How do, what are the differences? Okay. And if we can explain a little bit, if there's a time and place, or what is your take on, is there a time and place for supplements and pills? I want to hear about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I think, so... This is the best way that I can describe. So allopathic essentially means Western, right? So this is like your very traditional, you take a pill for your ill. That's the point. Like you had bacterial infection, you take an antibiotic, right? And like that is, like I said before, that is how I was originally trained. And veterinary medicine and human medicine really is not different. I would say the biggest difference is that you are dealing with way more species than you are a human being. And actually that's a very complicated thing because even a dog and a cat have different chemistries and different things that you can use, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how I explain Western. Functional medicine does not mean that you are not using medicine. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, so you're just going to like use some essential oils and like call it good. No, absolutely not. That's not what it is. When I first got into functional medicine and I was like working with a functional medicine doctor, you know, I took my same set of lab results and I, and I showed them to him and I was like, okay, so, you know, my doctor says my, I'll use my thyroid issue as a perfect example. My doctor says my thyroid's great. 
you know, it's, it's not that I have an uneven thyroid. Um, okay. And that really scared me. I was like, oh my God, now I have Hashimoto's. Like, right. You're right. right. Is she <laughs> her fast-forward brain go to like, oh man, sometimes something innocent was bliss. Because at the time where I didn't know so much about gut health and I didn't know so much about liver and I didn't know mental health and I didn't know these things, I was like, ah, I'm fine. Ah, I'm fine. And then it's like, you get to know more and you get to know more and then you do labs and then you see the results and then you get to read labs, right? Yeah, no, and read and you're like, I'm dying. Also, like for me, right? And I and I said this and I actually had this conversation with a client this morning. I was like, I want to tell you right now. Nutritional therapy and the way that I practice is not about perfectionism. That is not the goal. So if that is what you're looking for, I am not your practitioner. And even with something like nutritional therapy, when we talk about macronutrients, right? I'm not talking about tracking macros for like your weight loss or whatever, you know, the health influencers talk about macros, right? That is not what we are doing here. So I always say like, hey, we have to be really careful. And you and I have talked about this, really careful about orthorexia. Yep. And it... And I find that people specifically dealing with endometriosis also tend to be perfectionists or people pleasers or in a caregiving role, right? So that could be a nurse, that could be a doctor, that could be a therapist, that could be a stay-at-home mom, like, and it's such a broad range, right? And if you know that you have those personality traits, then you need to be very careful of aiming for perfection. And I... I am saying this because I struggle with this. There's actually a, uh, a statistic about this, actually. So uh, I think it's from the British Medical Journal. Uh, and they did a research on... See, now, because I haven't like thought about this in so long. Uh, but I don't know the exact number. I know it's a lot of men and women that were studied. And they have chronic illness and autoimmune. And what they found is they have type A perfectionist personality. And it's like... Okay. The connection between that plus their their illnesses is almost to the T. So like people that have endometriosis are type A perfectionist plus maybe they have like maybe their uh their energy, like the way that that they function is just slower, right? Okay. Uh people that have Hashimoto's uh is type A perfectionist and people that like athleticism or things like that, mm-hmm. right? Almost hobbies plus personality, it's almost like you can link it back to an illness and it was mind-blowing uh the type a perfectionist that's what i fall under i've been like this my entire life right and so and and there's even um connections about liver goals and like anger and depression and i'm like what that was me and that was Tell me, I had debilitating depression for three years, almost four. And it that was when I had the most flips. That was when I had the most problems. And when I learned that, I was like, well, you don't say, right? So I believe in that kind of stuff too. And those are the things that if we can back it up by science, that there's research on that, then, oh yeah, absolutely, right? And so that's, that's another thing too about allopathic medicine, Western medicine, Eastern yeah. medicine, right? Is that there has to be, I take a little bit from Western. I take a little mm-hmm. bit from Eastern and I mesh it up together. And I'm like, what works for this person? Because what works for me is not going to work for you, right? And if we're right. talking about lifestyle, if we're talking about exactly how you were saying about eating patterns, making sure I was borderline bulimia. And even that, yeah. that, was, that was like tricky to say, because at that time when I got diagnosed, uh, they were also running uh, neurological testing on me because I used to spaz in my sleep. I used to have so many things mm-hmm. happen to me and they're like, 
Maybe it's because, you know, you're spazzing your sleep or maybe you're, you're an insomniac and maybe, right? And, it's, and then they, that's when I learned about Grenland and Leptin, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like the journey that they take you through, right? And you're like, okay, how can I make this to work for myself? Which comes back to, to this that you were saying, the type A perfectionist illness, it's real, ladies and gentlemen. It is so real. Real. And the thing that, so I'll finish the functional medicine thing in a second, but the thing that Western medicine is leaving out. And like, to your point, right? So like in Chinese medicine, we have meridians. I don't know a ton about Chinese medicine. I'm still like, it's a slow progress, but there are meridians within the body, right? And in, in, and to mention more of like a Reiki energetic space, right? We have a masculine and a feminine side to our bodies. Yeah. I'm going to use myself as an example, just for like confidentiality reasons, but all of my problems, like my physical problems are on the right side of my body. The right mm-hmm. side is the masculine side. And no side is good or bad, but when you're speaking energetically, there needs to be balance. So when yep. you're dealing with somebody who has like a perfectionist, all or nothing, black and white thinking, traumatic upbringing, right? You generally see that they are, and how it, how it works with me is I am a very rational, logical, get shit yep. done type of person. Corporate, the corporate world, the corporate medicine that I used to work in, I was great at. You know what it was not great for? The other side of my body, which is the balancing, the nourishment, what I needed so badly from myself to really mitigate the issues that I was dealing with. So when you think of things and you think of endometriosis at its core, it's not always that it's an estrogen dominant issue, but generally speaking, it's an estrogen issue, right? From a medical perspective, we know that estrogen is metabolized in the liver. Right. Yep. We yep. also know that anger, when you think of Chinese medicine, is a liver, a liver problem, right? So yeah. all of these things actually do work together. It's a matter of do we have the knowledge? Does the person that you were working with know about these things? Are they taking your upbringing into account? Right. Like I didn't just come out of the womb this way. It was it was very much an environmental situation, right? Also, there's genetics, and we can't deny that genetics play a factor in things, but there's also epigenetics right that means that we have this ability to change things yes for good and bad for good and bad right so yes absolutely yeah 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 continue about the the functional medicine because you are you're heading that way so when i explain so here i am with my lab results right and i'm going to see the functional medicine doctor for the first time and this is the way he explained it to me and this is the way i explain it because i just think it's the best analogy so every year the united states has a group of people that they monitor and that is what decides our reference ranges for the lab. So when you go to the lab and you print out your blood work and it tells you like, nope, you fall in these ranges. So I always tell people, I'm like, I just want you to think about that because generally the population of the United States is not healthy and it's going the worst direction, right? Like we're not getting any better. And you would think within the last, I don't know, three years that that would change. But unfortunately, I just don't think that it is. So every year when they create these reference ranges, they change to match the population. Yeah. Right. Yes. So sure. Sure. When I handed my doctor this piece of paper, my thyroid looked fine. This fine. This one, like, I want to give you a megaphone now and I want you to go <laughs> and climb Kilimanjaro and I want you to just tell that to the whole rest of the world because I tell this to my clients. I, when I talk about my own functional medicine lab that I do, that's why mm-hmm. I say, look, like the HTMA and the Dutch, the two main labs that I run. And they're like, oh, yes, but I've been test- tested for iron and I've been tested for magnesium. And I'm like, yeah, but those ranges, either in blood, which is actually 
not uh, ideal because it's a window. It's a window, exactly, right? And the more exact levels are in tissue. And here is tissue, yeah. right? Especially that where they're where they're testing is from from the from the skull, from the right. And so, yeah, those are the things that it's we need to understand this. If you understand that, so now you heard it, ladies and gents from Allie, who is a, <laughs> about to be an educational therapist, but she's been also in vet. She's been doing medicine for a very, very long time. You, ladies and gents, have heard it. Okay, continue. <laughs> so the way that functional medicine. Um, I think one of the, besides thyroid, one of the, the easiest levels to think of because we have heard about this level so much recently in the last like three years due to the, the pandemic is your vitamin D levels, right? Yep. So I, so I, not only are my thyroid levels not where they should be, I go in with my, um, my vitamin D levels, right? And I am from Cal- sunny California, not from Southern California, but sunny California, right? So I go in with my blood work and my vitamin D level is four. Or, right? So there is a connection to that with mental health, with autoimmunity, right? All of those yeah. things. And I, my allopathic doctor goes, yeah, great. So we, we definitely need to get them up. They should probably be around 20, right? Yeah. That's great. I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so do I like take a vitamin? Right. Cause at this point I wasn't in functional medicine yet. I'm like, so do I take a vitamin? Like, what do I do here? And he's like, yeah, that sounds fine. I go to my functional doctor and he goes, oh my God. Like, no wonder you feel like crap. Like, oh, like, no wonder you have it, dude. He's like, no, we need, we need to get that up. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, well, what, what should it be at? Because my doctor told me 20 would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. What? He goes, no. Okay. So 20 is what the lad at, you know, like Quest Diagnostics told you. He was like, I want you at 70. Yeah. That is optimal. Yeah. So uh, the way that I was taught between 50 and 70 is optimal. And every yeah. single time I see someone at 20, I'm like, this is low. And they're like, yeah, but it's, it's like, okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. And the reason being, and we can discuss this a, a little bit further, but these are the things that when we understand vitamin D, its function and its hormonal function, plus right. magnesium, plus iron, plus sodium, plus potassium, when we understand that they all cohesively work, work together, yeah. right? When we understand that, then we say, okay, well, what is causing this really high vitamin D or really low vitamin D? And why is 50 to 70 optimal, right? So that can be like for maybe another episode. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but yeah. I, think, I think that the takeaway and what I, I hope people understand about functional medicine is it does not matter what Joe Schmo is, what their levels are at, right? Like it doesn't matter what the quote unquote general population is at because the general population is not healthy. So functional medicine is going to look at what is optimal. What is optimal for a person? Where do we need to strive to be? It does not mean that you are not going to use supplements or nutraceuticals, targeted nutrition, lifestyle changes. Plus there is a time and place, like I know we have talked about when you have to use medications. Yep. Yeah. Let's go into that. Let's go into that. Um, I have my clients right right now at this moment. I have IBS, ego, PCOS, uh, type two diabetes, uh, Hashimoto's, and hypothyroidism. So mm-hmm. the, that right now is what I got going on. Yeah. Let's do like a hypothetical conversation here, right? At what point in time? Let's stick to I don't know whatever one you want. Let's stick to like hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. I mean, like I think the thing I think. When I explain endocrine, right, because that's really where thyroid falls into, or when yeah. you look at PCOS or you look at endometriosis, right, those are all part of the endocrine system. And I think, unfortunately, what 
medicine does is make people think that they're all separate. And if I could tell anybody dealing with whether it be Hashi's, Hypo, PCOS, Endo, right? Like, no, hormones work together. So whether you actually, so like for me, I don't actually have hypo or hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's. What I have is an HPA access dysfunction, which is causing an underfunctioning thyroid. So yes. because that has been going on for so long, I actually do take thyroid medication. I take Armor, which is a non-synthetic uh, thyroid medication versus like your levothyroxine. And my hope is, right? So this is where the difference with allopathic versus root cause, right? Yeah. I don't want to stay on this medication forever. I yeah. want to address why my thyroid isn't functioning. My thyroid yes. isn't functioning well because I have HPA access dysfunction. And basically that's a really fancy term for all of my hormones are out of whack. They're not working together. And to be honest, my belief is it is highly due to stress and some of the emotional things that I'm still actively working on and probably will be working on for my entire life. So I personally, I work, so talk about like the group of clients like I am working with, I am working with people with severe endometriosis to the point where like doctors don't know what to do with them, right? They're like, take this birth control and good luck. Yeah. Or you don't want to be on birth control, well, sucks for you then deal with your symptoms. Those are like usually the two extremes. The two two extremes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dealing with people that are also in the realm of like been on anxiety, uh, antidepressants, and now what, right? Like, is this how I live the rest of my life? Like, maybe, maybe, but there are a lot of things that people are not correlating as root cause that is causing these problems. And and is it a bit of emotional, mental, like that component? Absolutely, right? That that, that definitely plays a huge role into mental health. But wait. I think you and I could both agree on is that people dealing with chronic issues, chronic inflammatory issues are generally dealing with anxiety and depression because that shit is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Within itself. Within itself. Right? Like, listen, you wake up and and I talk about this all the time. If I could tell you 10 years ago that Jenna, one day you're going to stop waking up with a new symptom, I would have left. It's a joke. That's a joke. And we're talking 10 years ago. I've been on my own journey for... 13 years staying off prescription pills, 13 years, no supplements, but I've been on this for 15 years. That's a long time to be on this same, the, the same cycle, right? And saying, okay, like something's going to change, something's going to change, right? And I think that's, that's another thing within itself is that there's so many anxiety attacks that I personally had. Um, yeah. I just, I was totally transparent about my, my, my really debilitating depression that I had. All these things happen because that's just one instance that I know looking back now, I knew that was because I woke up every single morning and there was something new. It was some brand new cystic acne. It was like dark, mm-hmm. dark circles under dark my eyes. Circles. It looked like I was 80. I was like, what's going on? It was insane bloating. It was like, okay, today, we're actually going to eat because that's my thing. Like, it, it's really hard for me to eat. And then some days it's like, oh, my God, if I don't eat now, I'm going to die. Right. And that was that right. not a shame, Right. And so during that, just going through that, I'm like my body and, and that's the spiral. My body is not doing what it's supposed to. My body is failing me. Yeah. When you do that, that circle, that that spiral. Right. And that's really what I hope people understand from your journey and you're talking and you're really just saying facts, right? And making people see, you know what? Like there is 
if one professional, and, and I'm a big, I'm a big believer in this. If one professional is going to tell you, hey, like, good luck. Not every single professional is like that. I've met ideal right, doctors. Right, right. I've, met, yeah. I've met ideal doctors. I've met, it was a nurse that finally told me, dude, like, your liver is in, like, severe danger. So, like, you're not okay, right? Took a nurse, right. right? And it was at a hospital that I went to go do a HEDA test. It was a HEDA CCK test that told me what's going on with my liver, finally, right? But again, just knowing what lab to take, knowing what it, I went through multiple specialists. I, I was in so much debt. I was in, right? So, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, like, you go through that and you kind of come out this other way. And a lot of people come out and it's not even like you, call, it's not like a tunnel and then like you're done. God. <laughs> It's not right, and you're still doing. You're still doing it, and you're still growing, and you're still thriving, and you're still doing those things. And that's the point of like where you mentioned about endometriosis, where you are in remission, and that's what I wish for everybody to actually know and understand that there's so many illnesses out there. Chronic illness means autoimmune. You can be in remission, and you can do these things. And the steps that it takes, coming back to this prescription pill is I think there has to be a time and a place for, for, for prescription pills. I think there has to be, give this body at the end of the day, we need to make this body feel safe. Safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had that conversation today, actually, with a client. And uh, part of, I, I just love that saying, actually, I just love that saying, but part of nutritional reparenting, right? Because that is what I talk about. That is what my, the, the basis of my practice is, is nutritional reparenting. And yes, we work a lot on the things you and I are talking about, but it does not matter if you had an amazing parent, like a uh, parental figure, if you didn't have one, if you had a traumatic childhood. The millennial generation, there is no uh, coincidence that we are the generation that has a lot of autoimmune issues with them rising, right? Yep. A lot of mental health issues with them rising, we struggle with boundaries, we have burnout, we can't say no, like all of those things together, right? Like we, essentially what I'm trying to say is like 90% of the millennial population is gonna benefit from reparenting. And the whole yeah. point of why I pair those things together is that if you do not make decisions for yourself, for your health, based out of your values as a person, that's going to be big. And a lot of people, if I'm like, hey, what are your values? They're like, what? And I'm like, I just want you to think of your, I think of your, your body, whether you want to call it your temple or whatever. I think of it as like an organization, right? When you look at a business model, they have ethics, they have standards, they have values. You need to have the same. And if you don't, don't worry, I got a worksheet for you. We can work that out. And then yep. from there, we're going to do things that might sound so silly to you, right? Like yes. we're going to do, and I, I had this conversation with a client today. I was like, listen, I'm not religious. I recognize that people are religious. And if that is you, then you need that. And if yeah. you think that God is a tree, then you need that. And if you need to meditate, then you need that, right? Whatever that thing is, you need to hold and you need to cherish it. And you need to do that same thing, that ritual every single day. And it's not yeah. so much about the ritual. It's about the fact that you kept a promise to yourself and then you can learn to trust yourself. And a body yes. that trusts is a body that heals. Yes. Giving yourself proof. Giving yourself Giving proof. yourself proof. Right. Yes. Yeah. And when you have that proof, right? Because again, the niche of people that I work with, like I said, are the ones that they've done everything. And, and literally, I mean, I've, I've had it said to my, to me myself, right? Like, well, there's nothing more we can do for you, right? There's nothing more we can do for you. I am not saying as a practitioner that my health is perfect. You and I both know that I am in my own situation of working through a flare, right? But I will tell you right now what empowers you to go to a doctor and tell them exactly what you want, exactly what your goals are, 
And for a lot of people with endo, it's they don't want to be on hormones anymore. They don't want to be on X, Y, and Z medication anymore, but they are scared into thinking that that is their only option. And I know because I've been that person. When you have the trust in yourself, and then you have the second thing, which is education, you are empowered to make the right decision for yourself. And as a practitioner, that is all I'm giving you. I am giving you the thousands of dollars and the thousands of hours that I have spent learning these things because I love medicine. And we're going to put it together and I'm going to give it to you, right? And you are going to be empowered and you are going to feel better about your health, not only physically, but mentally. This is the the key. This is what I call the self, self-advocacy, creating self-advocacy. And yeah. the key to understanding and making further decisions that are sustainable, because this is the big thing that I see happening in the wellness space, in the holistic uh, space, <laughs> right? I don't even use holistic anymore. I don't either. <laughs> the word itself is triggering. It, it is gone. It's gone. It's not even what, what it what it used to be, right? I think it's now a brand new word that has lost its root meaning, right? And and when we're thinking about helping people, when I think about helping my clients, right? Immediately I think about who who and what I went through. So who so the the professionals, the emotions behind it, the uh the white coat syndrome. Oh my God, I had that so bad, right? And things started to change. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about how I even got to know about a TCK test. So I had so many specialists. I had so, so I had, um, at one point I was talking to eight dermatologists because I thought that it was my skin. I, it was bad. Allie, it was bad. And, um, and I had two giant specialists. I had uh, a neurologist. I had a a sleep specialist. I had everything under the sun that you can think of, of why you have insomnia, insane bloating, skin issues, hair issues, nail issues, uh, hormonal issues. Yeah. Right. Like all the stuff. Right. So I had all that. I had two OBGYNs too at, at, at one point, at one point, I finally dialed in on one, but at one point. Right. And, um, it was, one of my GI specialists, and he goes, you know, I think you need to go to a liver specialist. And a liver specialist was really, really expensive. And again, yeah, and all this was really expensive at the time. And I was I was young. I was in my young college years at the time. And I was like, okay, so like, how do I just do a lab? And no one could tell me. You know how I found out? I found out from Facebook groups. I was like, listen, <laughs> I need someone to tell me what liver tests to do. And someone was like, do a CCK test. You know, like, yeah, CCK, but that's like in an IV. That's like a, like, what do you mean, right? And I literally just called up a place that was, so they run an outpatient clinic at my nearest hospital. And I called up the place and they're like, yes, we can do a CCK test. And I was like, how much of them? They're like 18,000. I was like, that's a joke. Yeah, it was, it was so much money. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because if this is the problem, if like, nothing else is finding root cause if nothing else is happening what do i have to lose what do i have to lose so give the trust and three hours later what one and a half hours later technically she was like dude what's happening like you already peed out the susie can like what's happening right so anyway so that's how i found out in the first place and so this is where this is why i believe in community it's why i believe in like Mm -hmm. begin to talk about what's going on with you no one can read your mind no, no one can be, you know, and there's so many, like I said, 
And I know I said this earlier, but there's so many professionals that, yeah, they suck. Yeah. Okay. They don't serve you. Leave it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But what does serve you, you know, those are the things that, I, and I, and I want to think about every single journey that there is, whether it's a health journey, whether it's a weight loss journey, whether it's a mental health journey, whether it's an improvement journey, right? All the things that we want to better our life and live a higher quality of life is going to involve a lot of, man, that did not work out, right? And I think that that's the important thing too, is to understand, okay, every single professional, you, me, other, other professionals out there, this is why it's so important to align in values and morals. That was, that was yeah. you know, the, the whole the wraparound. Yeah. The wraparound, right? Is that there could be so many professionals that are ideal, but I've been through so many and not one served me. Not one. Until I finally understood, until I went to Wayne State University and one professor was like, well, yeah, have you ever heard of like functional medicine? And I'm like, no, I have never. So then I mm-hmm. like studied it. I did it. Okay. Cool. Four years of it. I was like, okay, this is it, my friend. It is it. This is it for me. Doesn't mean because that's what aligned with you. Right. That's what aligned with me. Right. Yeah. So that's why, like, and words cannot explain how important it is. Meet your values and your morals. And the more you talk about your symptoms, the more you get to see if you don't know your values and your morals. I think that's how we get to understand our values and our morals. We meet people, we talk to people, we meet professionals. We're like, okay, that person is not for me. Okay, that person is, right? Coming back to to the religion aspect and the higher purpose aspect, many people are like, no, no, right? Okay, then then paying someone that's not, that doesn't do that, right? Yeah, yeah, right? This values and morals are just, yeah, self-advocacy, values, morals, transparency, right? find someone that aligns with you. You have to. I think it, and I myself have also been through, like I posted a, a, a reel on Instagram the other day of things that were said to me, right? Things that were said to me about my endometriosis. And those were real things. Like I didn't make those things up. They were very real things. Like there's nothing more we can do for you. Oh, you should just have a kid. That'll make it better. Um, the, the someone told you, wait, stop. Someone told you you should just have a child, like you should have, yeah. like you should birth a child. So it was very. I feel like I still run into people getting told this today. So again, you have to remember, endometriosis was not well studied. And when I was first diagnosed with it when I was seventeen, so I'm going to be thirty four next month. They did not know much about it. They yeah. didn't know much about it. And I'm going to be really honest. They still don't know a ton about it. They yep. they try and like. You know, I think it was Netflix. There was a, I don't remember what. There was a big docu that came out called Below the Belt, Under the Belt. I I actually haven't seen it yet. I'm like, great. Okay, like they're starting to talk about it, but it's still not what you and I are just talking about right now, right? I think to this day, the best conversation that I had ever heard about endometriosis, fibromyalgia, there was one other thing he tied in there too, and I'm blanking on it, was Dr. Gabor Monte. This is before his new book came out. This yes. is literally a YouTube interview. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer said, hey, I have a friend who just got diagnosed with endometriosis. What do you think about this? And his response was that this is a this is a whole body issue, right? This is not just a reproductive tract issue. This is not even just a physical issue. This is a manifestation of things that this person has not worked through. And when they work through this, and then he brings up like the other, like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, 
really wish I could remember the other one, and endometriosis, then we will see symptom relief, right? So yeah. the, the um, and like to, to your point, the studies are there. If you go and look up and you type in adverse childhood events, endometriosis, you will see PubMed articles. Like I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. Yeah. These are things right. I have been saying this for a while and I do get a lot of like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, right. what? Um, but now, now that it's like at the forefront, people are starting to connect the dots. Back to my original point though is, you said it a little bit earlier. It doesn't matter what the person is. If, it's, if it is the person that is, if it's a doctor that does this for you, if it is a teacher, that does, a practitioner, there has to be someone in your court and you have to align with them. And for me, that was my therapist, right? It was not, I, I did like the doctor I was working with and I love now the doctor that I'm working with. Like we align very well. And while he is a functional medicine doctor, he is still very much in the realm of like, there's a mind-body-somatic connection to chronic illness, chronic issues, right? Yeah. But you said it, and it, it's like something I, I tell people is it is it is naive of you to think that one person is going to solve all of your problems. It is naive of people to think a doctor is going to be your savior. What is not naive is to get a team. And I understand the financial implications of this. By God, trust me, you don't even want to know how much I spend on my medical, like, yeah anything right like I get right. it like I believe the understanding of how expensive it is to be a sick person but on the flip side of that like I don't need to end up like in a wheelchair I don't need to end up at the worst case like I'm already losing a little bit of no not a little bit a significant amount of function in my right hand right and to me that is enough I have yeah. enough to understand like I really need to look in the mirror and address like hey am I making decisions that are in align with my core values right? I know what my values are. I've spent time establishing what they are. And if you don't know what they are, like that is totally fine too. I feel like they change with age. They change with our life. They change with the situation. Like we just have to be clear on them on a daily basis and revisit when we're not, right? It's not like set in stone type of thing. I have changed. My belief system has changed like so many times over through this journey, right? And like you said, it's not like you get out the tunnel on the other side, right? Like one time I got asked, I put like a question, a question box up on my Instagram and somebody asked me, well, what are you going to do if your endometriosis comes back? Very valid question, right? Like, what would I do? And I love that I question. Around, I thought about that for a second and I think only would have felt like a failure, right? Like yeah. I think for how hard I worked and like the amount of like, I would say just like grit that went into getting to where I am with it. Yeah, I think I would have been like, well, I failed. And like, who wants to work with me as a practitioner? Like, look, right. Yeah. But now I look at it as I'm like, well, then it's a, it's a time that we need to reevaluate. Like, are we doing the things that that are in alignment with us? And are we making decisions that feel good? And if like the answer is yes, right? Like if the answer is yes. And, and then, of course, there is the like physical side. Like, are you eating what you need to be eating? Are you taking the supplements that you find helpful? Are you, you know, like, are you doing those things? Of course, yes. So if the answer is yes to all of those things, then it just is, right? And I think so much of our life as human beings, I've said this the other day, it's like, it's not about human doing, it's about human being. And we focus so much on doing and doing and doing. And I am so guilty of this. Like in my current health journey with figuring out this autoimmune disease, I can tell you right now, there's so much of me that wants to go run a Dutch hormone panel. There's so much of me that wants a new GI map, a new MRT sensitivity. I should be doing all my hormone, like 
right? Like, yeah. But every yeah. single one of those things that I just listed is human doing and less human being. And I don't need that because I already, like I told you before, right? Like I am a very logical, like I get shit done. I follow lists well, like that has always been my MO. Everything about that is not nurturing and somebody dealing with some sort of sickness, regardless of what it is, needs to be nurtured. So oh, I love that. That's how oh I'm my God, I love that. I love that. I always say this, is that we don't have a problem when, when I say we, but like us Carnegie warriors and the autoimmune warriors and the spooning, we don't have an issue not doing. We have an issue mm -hmm. of being, right? Like, there's so much healing in the stillness today. I told my client, she was like, yeah, so here's what I have planned. And she's like, I'm going to go walk my dogs in the morning and then I'm going to stretch. And then I'm going to work out in the, in the PM. I was like, today, I want you to practice stillness. I want you to practice yeah, stillness. That's hard. That is such it's so hard. That, I would struggle with that, right? Like, yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard. But that's why we practice it, right? And, and the more that we practice, we align with our values and our morals. And we're like, mm -hmm. okay, this is what stillness is. And stillness, um, a, l a little backstory on like what I think is stillness, because I don't think stillness is, it has an exact like description, Definitely. right? Yeah. Yeah, right? So stillness, I told uh, a client last week, to practice stillness but it was completely different because we needed to support her circadian rhythm so she has some gallbladder and liver issues as well so i said listen here's something just based on your symptoms based on how you're you're doing the water retention i think we're having mm -hmm. reach with that circadian rhythm a little bit better and so what i told her is to start like start doing your nightly routine at 7 p.m and she's like what are you talking about i was like okay Let's let's rephrase this. So the stillness for many times is coming back to the exact thing that you were saying, the exact thing that I said a little bit earlier, is talking about making the body feel safe. And so at uh, nighttime, that's when she feels the safest to eat because she's not rushed. She has a very thorough job. That's when she feels the most safe to eat. That's when she actually does a skincare routine or even just washing her face or sitting in a bath. That's when she does it. She does all these things at night. But she does them in like an hour. And I'm like, why don't we drag that on? Because you get home at around 6, 6.30. Why don't we drag that a little bit longer and do something, right? As Because she also wants to clean the room. And she also wants to organize this. And she also, right? Again, the type two perfectionist is like just, <laughs> it's there, right? And so I'm like, okay, why don't we, the, the stillness for you is not to be still. The stillness for you is to say, Okay, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to feel no rush where you're doing yeah. something mindful about it, right? So that's the stillness for that person. The person that I said today is completely different because she has a very solitary lifestyle and or solitary uh, work, sorry. Work, like yeah. And after she's so active, right? And I'm like, can we find something that we enjoy doing that slow pace, like yoga or like, a breathing, a breathing exercise or uh, a colon sweep, right? Do that kind of stillness because she doesn't do those things. Some, some dry brushing, some, right? Just really being active with what you have. What you're doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And being abundant in the, in the mindfulness about all of the actions that we're taking, right? And so the stillness is so different. But again, it really, again, it must align with your values and your morals. But the first time that I said this last week, if I would have told her, like, go do yoga, she'd be like, 
what are you talking about? Right? Like, yeah, like it doesn't for her, right? Right. And this is why there, there isn't, you can't, you cannot be cookie cutter. If you are a true wellness professional, and I've seen people, I, I've helped people reverse their type 2 diabetes. I've helped them reverse their autoimmune and things like that. And they're coming from people that are functional medicine professionals, right? And they're like, yeah, but this person told me to eliminate this. And this person told me to do that. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And that caused flare-ups because it doesn't align with your values and morals. That's it. Not because that person is wrong, right? Right. Because there is, there again, there's a time and a place for elimination diet. Is that the best thing mm-hmm. for, for chronic illness? No. But it must align with your values and your morals. If that is what you truly believe within your soul, within everything that you have, it's going to work out for you. If not, yeah, not. Yeah. And I also think like we, not to like categorize this again, but like as a generation, like we are such a distracted generation, right? And distraction keeps us from dealing with what's inside. So when you have these, I like that you were like stillness doesn't actually have like a quote unquote definition because I do think that is different for every person. But I do think in general, we really, really struggle with that because we need to be constantly doing something, right? I mean, you're a gut health expert, right? That is like your whole thing, right? And while I am trained in that, like, it's not like my, I, what is it, bread and butter, like that kind of thing. But we know that digestion starts in the brain, right? We know it starts yep. in a parasympathetic state and then it goes down there through the process, right? What I think some people don't even understand that are dealing with chronic digestive dysfunction, so whether that be bloating or belching or gas or diarrhea or constipation, right? Like the, the, the fluctuation there is yeah. that it's starting because we are, A, we're, we're eating while we're driving, we're scrolling while we're eating, we're not sitting down. We've lost so much from like, and I'm not saying it has to be a family dinner every night, but the idea of sitting down to eat and having a conversation with somebody or just sitting down to eat by yourself because can, right? Like the very simple things that people are like, well, that's not going to do anything. And I'm like, really? Like if you sat down, did this for one month, if you just did this for 30 days because you were dealing with, we'll, we'll even say endometriosis because we also know there's yeah. an estrogen connection to the gut, right? Yeah. And you only... Did your food to applesauce consistency, did not eat distracted and ate nutrient-dense foods, I guarantee you, you would start to feel better. Yeah, your right? symptoms would reduce. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and even if you were doing that just from a mental health perspective, right, the 10, 15 minutes that it takes you to eat while you are sitting there and giving your mind a break, right? Like we think, I don't even know how many thoughts I think today. And somebody who is an anxious person like myself, like probably like 10 times the amount of a normal person, right? Like I had read a situation 10 times over and I know where that comes from, but if it's just like, let's sit down to eat and just do that. Yeah. Like how much better would that be for a person? But we don't have that because we are over here too busy, like to talk about like the wellness and health space. We're biohacking everything. Like we are not even doing that. Amen. Yes, I literally just did an episode about this. About biohacking and how it is not at all, again, just like holistic, the word holistic, it is not biohacking. I literally said this in the episode. Biohacking is when you wake up, open these blinds, you can get sunlight. First thing in the morning, stop looking at your screen. That's it. That's a great biohacking because what is biohacking? Biohacking is anything that is is using your biology to to support and get support from nature and mm-hmm. or uh like supplements or 
uh, wearable things, right? Like the glucose monitors and things like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, sure. But, and, and again, this is values and morals. I know someone that has Hashimoto's and she, uh, she wears a, um, a, a glucose monitor all the time. Me, if I did that, I'm paralyzed with data information. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Right? So I'd be like, nope. Okay. Now I got to go run. Okay. Now I got to eat some sugar. Now I got to do yeah. it. Right. And just to make sure that the glu- no, no life is for living, living. Yeah. We are paralyzed. I think we are paralyzed by information. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I said like, would half of me love to know, run all these tests Then like, I already know my C-reactive protein. For those of you that don't know what that is, they test that for like autoimmune issues. I already know it's high. Why do I need to go run more tests? Cause I can't, that would be amazing. I would love to. And like, you know, let's spend thousands of more dollars because why not, right? But to your point with the the ethics and the values and things like like more information, sometimes it is not about more information. And I actually, while I use nutraceuticals in my practice, I, I do think there's a time and a place. The point is not to remain on supplements, right? And I think what happens, in, and I said this again in a piece of content this week, is like supplements are great. They're great. There are some really beautiful ones out there. But if you're not actually absorbing them or taking them regularly, they're doing nothing for you. So that the things that are going to be the most beneficial for your health are the things that like are not going to cost you thousands. And sure, start with some some baseline blood work if you want to and and start with some supplements. Like I said, I do use some in my practice, but it is not the point, right? The point sure. is to change your life, right? And I, I, I said this to my client today, I was like, can you tell me what lifestyle means to you? Because while it is a term that I know how to use, like it means so many different things. And I think what's so unfortunate and such a disadvantage to people is that doctors are not talking about the lifestyle changes, but lifestyle changes, there's a big umbrella, right? And for me, for when, I'm, when I think about a lifestyle change, I've had to have a career divorce, right? And sometimes yeah. that means like an actual divorce. And sometimes yeah. that means you break up with friends and sometimes that means you go into contact with your parents because it's better for your health until you figure things out, right? Like the, the umbrella of lifestyle, the word lifestyle is so big, but what people are missing is that those are the things that are monumental for your health. Those are what's really going to change. Not the blood glucose monitor you're wearing and like, sure, you're on a roller coaster of blood sugar issues, which we know is a problem. Okay, we can work on that. We can work on your blood sugar. But what we can't work yes. on is if you're not willing to address these other really big elephants in the room. And yeah. That, that is what I hope people, like I had someone tell me, Allie, do you think like maybe you should like talk about trauma a little bit less? Like people don't honestly want to know that they have trauma. And I was like, no, no, no. It's also not just not for you then. Like, I know it. I was like, uh, well, I mean, we don't have to dissect your trauma. What I find is most people know when they have been through something. They know, yeah. right? Yeah. And we don't have to sit there and dissect it. We just have to know that, hey, there are some things that we have to do so that you become the adult and the child in your life, right? And that is yes. it. That is, that is the premise of it. Within state, we also have to worry and in, in understand staying in your scope of practice because if we are gut health practitioners and we are nutritionists and we are doing those things and we are talking about trauma, it is also such a fine line that is also exactly. often blurred, right? That like, very, again, all of my clients, we have discussed a trauma, right? They're like, no, there's there's some like X, Y, and Z happen and they don't go further. That's fine. Or some people, they're like, hey, you know what? Like, I just had a really 
insane childhood and that's it. And it's like, cool, that's fine. You disclose how much you want to disclose. What I, what I, what I say to my clients and what I even have my own inter dialogue, right? Is all the things that I speak, all the things that, you know, this happened to me. Can we speak it in a point where this happened? And is there things, and again, it's talking from self-advocacy and from self-esteem and from going through such terrible situations where I say, this happened, what can I learn from this? Versus dwelling in it and playing victimhood, right? And so, because, oh, that's the thing too. And so I say all the time, yes, I've had this, I've had this, I've heard this, I have this, I have this. Uh, The doctor said this, the doctor said that. Yeah, I know. That's fine though. It does not, it, like, it, it doesn't uh, make you less than or it doesn't make you yeah. worthless or it doesn't make you, right? Like for for you in order to heal, you got to want it, right? If you're going to continue right. being, playing in the victimhood, if you're going to continue assessing the trauma and dwell in it, it's different from saying, okay, I'm going to acknowledge, honor, and respect that, dra- that trauma and learn how to work with it not against it because there is a beautiful way to do that as well yeah yeah i agree i think well and i said it before like i really think the people that i see thriving who were once not right have a team they didn't just work with one person and i will be the first to tell you like the the people that i have worked with thus far within my scope do the best when they're working with me and with their therapist i am not a therapist I am just really well informed and I've spent a lot of time and a lot of certifications and masterclass, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think that that those things really, I think those things really, really do matter. And I, I agree with you about the, the victimhood thing. And one thing that I ask people when we start working together is I know you have been given a diagnosis of X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Do you believe that you can heal? Yes. Because yes. healing, again, that's another word that could mean so many things. But to me, and what I ask people to define it as, and when, it, when I was asked to define it, healing means to me living a life that is not burdened by symptoms, right? Whether yeah, that be physically or physically. And I remember I wrote, uh, I think it was like maybe two or three years ago, I wrote a, um, a publication for the Endo Foundation of America. And I shared it. I shared it. I shared it. I don't know if you remember this, but I was so enthused by it. I shared it on my stories. This was I do uh, actually, yeah. I think this is the very beginning when we started talking, right? Yes, yes. This uh, yeah, this was it was it through Facebook? It was so, something like that. And I found it on Facebook or something. I think the Endo Foundation shared it shared it through shared their it Facebook. Facebook. Okay. But I okay. I looked at um I looked at one of the comments on their Instagram, right? And somebody says they read the they read my whole article and I and I talk very much at the end of the article about what shifted for me is that I believed that I could change things, right? And um someone writes in the comment section, they go, So I don't get it. She went to trauma therapy and now she doesn't have endometriosis. It was like, oh girl, I wish that it was that simple. Like I I really wish it was like, so for 75 sessions, if you show up for one hour, then you're gonna be ridded of all this faith, right? I would yeah. love to tell you that. Listen, um, listen, I've been I, I have been so long to therapy and like we're still in it, man. We're still in it. So no, that's not it. That's not it. But yeah, as you said, it definitely takes a team. I have a team. You have a team. A lot of my clients have a team, right? It's all about get, getting those puzzle pieces together and fitting them together to equal you. 
So, uh, Allie, let us know what you have going on, how people can find you. Tell us. Yeah. Um, so I would say the best place to find me is probably Instagram. I'm a true millennial. <laughs> um, uh, that and no gal is my Instagram and I am going, so I have a wait list for people. Um, that, oh, well, I technically opened it. I was going to wait till October to open it, but then I had people and I was like, I'm just, I can't, I need a list. I need a list. Yes. Um, yes. That open. I am really hoping that by the beginning of December, I can start working with people one-on-one. Um, you know, pending how I feel after, like I said, November's big month. It's a big graduation month. Um, but that is definitely how you can stay connected. Um, my website is alliramos.co and I officially named my practice and my practice is called Nueva Rama Wellness. And that is play on words. So in Spanish, because I obviously live in a Spanish speaking country and I speak Spanish as well, um, means new branch. But yeah. it's also a play on my last name, which is Ramos. Um, so that's where you can find me. I like that. I like that. Okay, ladies and gents, you guys heard her. Check her out on Instagram. Uh, and check out the show notes because in there I will have the links to her Instagram page and to her website. Uh, thank you guys for checking this episode out. And we would love to hear your thoughts, your yes. aha moments. Because this was, like I said, this is more of a conversational piece. And we had some really good golden nuggets so as as always you can dm uh feel free to dm al feel free to dm me we want to hear your thoughts and guys i'll see you guys on the next episode